Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drahada Dundalk and Cavan. We have amazing offers available across the Renault, Dacia and Opel range. Whether it is a petrol, diesel, LPG, plug-in hybrid or electric, we have the perfect car for you. See blackstonemotors.ie. Welcome to Late Lunch this Friday afternoon. Coming up on today's show, I conclude my story in words and song about my artist of the week, Blondie. Uh, Liam Blanche looks ahead to the weekend in sport. All's rosé in the garden with Rick Cronje. Margaret Madden is here too. And she has her book of the week and more besides in Book Club. And we have your riddle on Friday as well. And if you want to get in touch with us on the show, the number is 1850-715-958 if you want to call in or if you'd like to WhatsApp or text us, the number is 086-1800-658. I begin the show today and I'll say this. Normally when you talk about eating disorders and body image, it's a, a, a female matter. In the main, I'm not saying always, but my first guest today has been living with body dysmorphia for years and years. But I'm delighted to say he's in a much better place today. He's from the beautiful North County Dublin village of Rush. And I'm delighted to say hello today to Keith Ross. Hello, hello, Keith. Hey, Jerry. How are you doing? I'm really good. Thanks very much for joining me on the show today. Will you just for for listeners, you know, it's a term that's probably new to Mm. some people listening to us today. Body dysmorphia. How did it, you know, materialise with yourself? What is it? Well, body dysmorphia is a form of eating disorder, which which in turn is a form of a mental health condition. And I think for men when they hear body dis- or when you hear eating disorders they kind of think of something else but what body dysmorphia pretty much is is if a person is kind of spending you know a huge amount of their time continuously worrying about how they look and it kind of just consumes their everyday life and their everyday habits and their you know and in turn you're spending so much thinking about how you look it's extremely draining on your on your mental health as well and for me like i've like i've been suffering from it for over well, for 25 years and that pretty much caused so much anxiety in me that that just turned into depression so i mean there's so many people especially men that suffer from body dysmorphia but they probably don't even realize they do do you know, and especially when it's when it's linked to an eating disorder. Yes, and and you know, you you discover this because you have a, a the most brilliant blog called the Endless Spiral. And when you started mm. a blog about this, you realised mm. just not alone in this country, but all over the world, people and men were coming to you and boys saying, mm. "Oh my God, uh, look yeah. at this! This is w- w- where we are actually at the moment." Take us back. This began with you when you were swimming. Yeah. So I mean. Yeah, so I started, I was, myself and my sister were in, enrolled in life-saving classes at our local swimming pool. And I was in my early teens and my sister's four years older than me. And I never really thought of my, you know, of I never was really noticing my body at all, really, or anyone else's body all that much until you kind of go to these life-saving classes and if you if you were able to just stay in the swimming pool, like you know, a, a swimming lesson, I probably wouldn't have been too bad. Mm. 
But with the life saving classes, you're kind of in and out of the pool and you're kind of on the side of the pool and you're kind of rehearsing kind of life saving scenarios. And you nearly have to become an actor because you're kind of pretending you're you're in danger and yet someone else has to help you and vice versa. And the, and the guys in the in these classes weren't allowed to say wear shorts. It was like you're only allowed to wear speedos. And I, the more I kind of went, the more I just was noticing kind of other guys and the girls, and I was just more noticing me. And I just wasn't comfortable in it. I I kind of started to really notice that I was not comfortable in my own skin. Um. Like I, I'm not, and I wasn't deformed or anything like that. It's yeah. just it kind of just gets into your head, and you start. Well, I start to just notice all these little things about me that I just didn't like because you can you're comparing yourself to other people, which obviously as you get older you realize that's not healthy. But at the time, and you know, and you're starting to notice girls, and you're getting out of the pool, and you're not comfortable. And for me, I was absolutely miserable. It, the longer it went on, the worse I got. And like I would go home on a Saturday evening and I just go up to my room and I would just kind of burst into tears and I was just absolutely miserable. You know, I was completely miserable. And that would start kind of spilling out into during the week as well. So I'd be kind of going into school and, and like, and I, I, like I was fine in school. I got on with everybody and I don't know if anyone even noticed what I was like at school, but I was absolutely miserable. You know, it just... It just was not healthy for me at all. And the anxiety, like I said, just turned into depression and it just never really went away. Um, like as I got older then, I mean, I, I did, obviously didn't do life-saving classes forever. I stopped kind of my, maybe late teens. But the body dysmorphia stayed with me and it never really went away. I mean, even going on holidays, I wouldn't want to take my T-shirt off. I remember I got a job kind of in my probably early 20s or late teens, probably early 20s. And it was kind of in a warehouse and I wouldn't even lean over to pick up a box or something because there was girls there and I didn't want them to. I felt kind of like my weight on my lower back and I would nearly turn away to pick something up. So I wasn't I was facing front on or um, kind of just stuff like that. It was just like I'd be in the canteen and I'd probably sit a certain way or, you know, that I thought maybe yes. I'd be pulling out my clothes all the time. And it just developed into such an unhealthy relationship with food and exercise, which is where the, kind of the blogs have come as well. And mm. um, the more I looked into this, the more I was like, my God, I've been suffering for this for 20 years. So the physical nature of your body, physicality mm. became yeah. a, a mental health issue for you. It just, you yeah. know what I mean? It became yeah. something that consumed you in your life. Can I ask you, for mm. example, you know, you mentioned and, and I, I've, I've seen you writing about this. You, you mm. said that it took you time to find an exercise routine and a diet that you were comfortable with. Was it really from a weight point of view that it developed into then that I'm too fat, I'm too heavy? Look at me. Was it that? Were those thoughts in your mind? Yeah, I mean, it was pretty much everything. I mean, I say in my in the in the blogs, and I've addressed this in my podcast uh, a few times now. I mean, like I I tried to commit suicide in my twenties twice. I was that bad. I just couldn't stand myself anymore. But it wasn't it wasn't even a weight thing. It would be say um, I thought my neck was too long and skinny. Mm. I thought my wrists were too skinny. I didn't like my face. Uh, I didn't like my hairline. I didn't like like it was literally nearly every part of my body. And I would sit there and start listening off things I hated about myself. Like I would actually list them off on my fingers. I don't like this and I don't like that. And I hate this and I hate that. And like I said earlier, it just consumes you. Like it just takes over you, you know. And, and tell, then, tell, me, you, tell yeah. me this, you know, we're hearing the distress you're in and to what degree this affected you. I know you mm. went for counselling and, and you f- finally found somebody who was a real help to you. What's yeah. enabled you to move away from all that terrible time in your mind and, and, and looking at yourself so critically. Are you over it now? Is it done with? No, it's never it's never done with. But I think as you get older, you kind of just fill out and you kind of accept yourself a little bit better. And as mm. you mentioned, I found kind of a diet plan and an exercise routine that I actually kind of got myself into some sort of shape or where I was happy with ish. But the problem with it is, is that because it consumes you so much, and as I mentioned in the blog and on the podcast, I'm either all in or I'm all out. So I'm never really just, for me, I would say, normalist is the wrong word, but I'm never really happy. So I'm either completely overweight or I'm in great shape. And I I know in my head, I'm going to crash some stage and I'm going to start binging and I'm going to start binge eating. And so, and and then the focus to try and get yourself in shape 
with body dysmorphia then as well, it completely, that consumes you as well. So it's, you're, you're, you're completely one way or you're completely the other way. So you like you, you get up in the morning and you're thinking, well, what time am I going to work out at? And what am I going to have this morning so I can work out later on? And what kind of supplements am I going to am I going to do? And what kind of work am I going to have? How many calories am I going to burn? Can I have this for lunch? I can't eat that too late because, and this is just, I had a nutritionist uh, counselor on my podcast uh, last week and you kind of explain it just to her and she kind of like, she hears that story every single day, but it's mainly from women. She said when, when she has guys coming to her, and she said she's only had a few clients that were men, and she said their main concern was to stay anonymous. They didn't want anyone to know they were even going to see her. And that's the, and that's the mindset and the, the stigma that men have to try and talk about this subject is that they don't want anyone to know. Mm. And and, because, and that, I said yeah. that at the start. You you are yeah. unusual. I, I that's why I'm talking to you today. You you yeah. you grabbed our attention here to say, hold on a minute, this is a little <laughs> bit different. Let me tell you, yeah. I'm getting messages already. Listen to this one. Body dysmorphia okay. is something I struggle with. It's so hard to talk about it. And I want to say, Jerry, thank you for highlighting this today. That gentleman is so inspiring. Thank you so much. That's a lovely message. Yeah, uh, you know, to get today. Yeah. There's somebody already you've touched, and I want to say to anybody listening today man or woman if you're affected by what we're talking about you want to make a comment 086-1800-658 you can whatsapp or text me now to the show look I suppose I try to simplify things in my life and if you're my friend and, and you confide in me that's one thing I wanted to ask you you know you sought help and you get help and you say this is ongoing did you confide mm. in close friends or family to tell them how you were or did they just was it obvious no, no I mean I was I received a message couple of weeks ago saying you don't have an eating disorder <laughs> I'm like well yes I do because like I said so many people don't realize so I had to say to them well it's body dysmorphia and like I said I think when men say or when they kind of say the words eating disorder I think they probably think of maybe an anorexia or bulimia but it, it can affect men in so many different ways I mean there was a study done in the UK only recently and 86% of of suicides were men like, because mm. men just don't speak about things. They just don't reach. Just, as we all know, and as you've mentioned as well, Jerry, there's a stigma with men that it's like they have to be strong. They have to be the breadwinner. They have to be dominant. You know, they don't want to admit that they have issues, especially eating disorders or especially, you know, anything that to do with mental illness or a mental health condition. You know, it's just so rare for men to speak about it's just just the reason why I'm sharing my story. I've spent so long just being silent, mm. and it's done me no favors. It's done me no good. And now I'm sharing my story, and it's been so kind of therapeutic and I yeah. suppose a healing process as well. Um, to know that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm as you said, I'm kind of inspiring people. Like I've got messages off through my website from people saying a very similar message to the one you just mentioned there. I had a, I woke up kind of a, a few weeks ago and I had a message from a guy in Australia saying he couldn't believe you know my you hit he had read my blogs and the podcast and he sent me his story to put up on my website because he was just kind of he just wanted to share his I think he's from in Melbourne so I mean if anything comes of this I just want men to be able to share their story and say you know you're not alone just because you don't hear men talking about it it doesn't mean that they're not they're not suffering as well. No, for sure. And uh, I'm delighted you're highlighting this with me today. For for those listening, just remind them of your podcast blog, would you please? Because I'm sure there'll be yep. many will want to uh, find out more about you. Yeah. So, I mean, the website is theendlessspiral.com and it's the same. The podcast is the Endless Spiral podcast. And basically where the name came from is, as you've probably been able to figure out I've been caught in an endless spiral for so long it was just kind of an obvious name so yes the endless spiral.com and the podcast is on Spotify and Apple and Google and it's pretty much anywhere where you can get your podcast is there and it's the uh, endless spiral podcast You've done really well and uh, I say again, thank you for highlighting this today. You're coping, you're getting on as best you can. It's something you have yeah. to deal with every day of your life. That's the mm-hmm. message we want to get. But you are not alone if you're listening to us this afternoon. TheEndlessSpiral.com Thank you so much for giving us your time on the show today, Keith, and I you're wish welcome. you well. Thanks very much, Jerry. 
Take really care appreciate yourself. the opportunity. Yeah, thanks very much, Jerry. Bye bye. Take care of yourself. Bye bye. Absolutely. Uh, great guy there, Keith Russell, and so honest and forthcoming. Back to your scammer numbers. Another one's come in there. Jerry, will you just remind listeners I've got a call from people purporting to be from social protection. Uh, it's an 085 number, 08538. It begins. Tell your listeners, please don't deal with them. They are scammers. Time for your riddle on Friday on Late Lunch. And here it is. We have a nice little prize for you. So listen up. I can never be thrown, but can be caught. Ways to get rid of me are forever being sought. What am I? Here we go again. One more time, your riddle. I can never be thrown, but can be caught. Ways to get rid of me are forever being sought. What am I? Answers to the riddle, please, to 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. And we'll pick a winner before the end of the show. And we'll solve the riddle for you as well. Your great your participation every week is simply wonderful. I see LMFM are being denied the right to broadcast the game from Tallis Stadium tonight. Shamrock Rovers against Drogheda United. What's that all about? I, I can say from experience myself, I reported on Drogheda United games for many a day. And I have to say this, in all of the clubs in the league I ever went to cover games... There was only one place I ever had bother, and that was Tallis Stadium with Shamrock Rovers. It was a nightmare always, I have to say. And obviously, well, I think sometimes people forget which side their bread is buttered, to be honest with you. The amount of coverage that LMFM gives to the League of Ireland and all of the clubs, including the two local clubs, Dundalk and Drogheda, is nothing short of outstanding. And this is really, really disappointing, no matter what the reason is. Boot Club Friday on late lunch means one woman for us, Margaret Madden. Good afternoon again. Hiya, Jerry. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Let's get straight to business. And will you please name your book of the month? And ironically, book is in the title. <laughs> it is. It is The Book Club by Roisin Meany. Why? Oh, it's because, you know, I was writing notes on this last night, getting ready for you because I have brain fog. And um, I, I said, I wrote down and I'm looking at it here. It's like a guilty pleasure playlist of a book, if you know what I mean. Mm. You ever just have those playlists where you choose all the songs that you just belt out at the top of your voice, but you kind of probably would roll your window up if you were out in the car. <laughs> So, but this is what I, I feel with Roisin's books. They just grab you and wrap you into this amazing, warm, fuzzy feeling. It's great. It's based in a little seaside town called Fairweather here in Ireland. Mm-hmm. And again, it's about a man who arrives in the community from London with a secret. He does have a secret and you don't know what it is from the beginning. All you know is that he has spent some time in prison, you know, that at the very beginning. Um, so he rents a room from um, a woman in her 70s uh, called Beth. And she lives with Lil, her granddaughter. Um, and the house that he's renting is actually next door. Like it's pretty much built on their land. Um, so he, he plonks himself into kind of small town Ireland and with big personalities and and he's quite a quiet chap and very introspective and he just wants to be left alone. But it doesn't take long for the the town to kind of embrace him and welcome him into the fold. Um, But as you read through, you know that there's tragedy, there has been a tragedy in the village and also Tom has had his own issues and um, basically they both help each other out, the community and, and him right back, you know, it's really, really lovely. And the book club, the name of the book, how how it ties in. There's a book club in the back garden, is there, in one of the rooms in this house. Yeah, Beth has decided since the council won't give her any money for, for or won't donate any money for a library in the village or town, that she would open her own. So basically what she did was she's a really big shed situation out the back and it's right on the cliff edge overlooking the water. So it sounds fantastic. It sounds like my idea of heaven. And people just come in and borrow books and have a chat and they have a book club once a month. Roisin has the Midas touch, hasn't she? Her characters are so believable. The way she weaves the story, so intricate. This woman is something else. Unreal. What is this, her 16th or 17th yes. novel, I think? Yes, yes. Um, and every single one of them, I've, be, I've just lost myself in the pages of them. And it is, it's this time of the year as well where you do 
now yeah, kids are finished school. There's not really many people going abroad. They might be traveling around Ireland, but it's the perfect time to pick up a book and this might be the one for them. Ah, lose yourself in the pages of a book. No better way when you can't actually, you know, leave the country. So it gets your thumbs up. This one is on the list. It's number six in your books of the month this year. Where is this year going that we're at the end of June already? I anyway, know. <laughs> it's flying, isn't it? It really is. Anyway, this one is right up there. The Book Club by Roisin Meany is Margaret Madden's book of the month this month and coming highly recommended. You will enjoy. Now let's move on to your choice in fiction. Oh my word. Tell them the title, the name of this book. There's a bit of a link here, isn't there? Mm. Um, This is The Midnight Library by Matt Haig. And this fellow is a very different... um, Is it fair saying that he's a very different type of writer now? He is. Um, I, I think he pretty much started off writing just YA, so for for young adults, and he has written some children's books as well. But he also writes a lot about depression and, and the darkness that a lot of people um, find, the black dog, you know, and how you can kind of pull yourself out of it and how how it affects people in different ways. And, and this is probably a, a, a very good example of it. It's... Based, I kind of feel it's based around the Sylvia Plath quote where she said that she wishes that life was like a selection, like selecting dresses. You can just try one on and discard it if it doesn't fit. And, and he's kind of done that with this story in that Nora Seed, uh, 35-year-old, and she's kind of given up on life. She's, everything has gone wrong from her. She's estranged from her family. She... Her, her cat has just been run over. You know, everything is going wrong for her. She's losing her job. She's been told she has to finish up. And she decides to, she attempts to end it all, you know, and, and takes an overdose. And she finds herself in this liminal space, as I call it. And it's kind of halfway between, it's neither betwixt nor between. So it's it's neither death nor life. But it's a library. It's, it's a, a literal library, this huge space. And her old school librarian is there and, and is trying to explain to her that each book that she chooses, that she borrows, it, it will represent a different version of her life, of how one small change previously in her life would have changed the outcome of the eventual life, if you understand me. Mm, parallels with the classic movie, It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah, um, and or maybe Sliding Doors, yeah. you know, um, or even Groundhog Day in a kind of a humorous mm. way, um, where you're living the same kind of life, but one slight little change can affect the outcome of it. So it was really good. So she gets to experience all different lives. But, you know, she was a singer in her brother's band when she was younger and gave that up. But th- in one of her lives, she gets to go back and do that and becomes really famous. Um, and another one, she ends up being a researcher in the in the Arctic Circle. In another one, she's married with a daughter. Um, none of these things had happened in her actual life. So you're seeing how these decisions, which life would she choose? Or was she quite happy in the one that she was yes. and didn't realise? Yes, know? and you know, it's, it's a fascinating uh, modus operandi, the way he's... Uh, you know, put this together. It's a brilliant thought process. It really is, as you say, not quite in this life, not in the next, and giving you an opportunity, perhaps, to look at other routes that you you could have taken. You did say there about the uh, the darkness, etc. And Matt himself, he, he's been through dark times. He, yeah. he knows what he's yeah. writing about. Yeah, he has, and he's been very, very open about it, and has helped so many people with his honesty. Mm. Depression isn't something that should be hidden. It's something that people need to talk about more. And he, he really is. Um, I, I applaud him for that. So, The Midnight Library by Matt, Matt Haig. Put it on your reading list. A really, really different type of book. Fascinating. And I think when you read Matt, you'll be looking to look up his other works as well after yeah, that one. Sure. Now, for the next one, you've picked some thriller. I'll tell them what it is. It's called The Chain by Adrian McKinty. Uh, all I'll say is, fasten your seatbelts from the first page. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I got it actually on the. This is my audio book that that I chose, so I got it from Barabox, and it, it was so good. But you see, the problem is you fall asleep, don't you? So I went and actually bought it as well. Um, it's single mom Rachel, and uh, well, she's she's a divorcee, and she's just come through breast cancer, and she's exhausted and tired. Um, and then her daughter Kylie. What there's, there's a name for you, Jerry. Oh, now you're talking. <laughs> well, her daughter Kylie has been kidnapped 
um, and she needs to find ransom money within 24 hours, money she does not have. But the twist in it is that she also has to kidnap another child within 24 hours and begin the process. It's a chain. It's a kidnapping chain. It's it's bizarre. It's a horrendous chain that that she can't break because if she doesn't come up with the money and kidnap another child, the woman, the mother who has the previous kidnapped child, um, will kill Kylie. Um, it's just bizarre and addictive, an absolute addictive read. Mm, I don't know where he came up with this from, but it is something else. It, you'd be terrorised, really, reading it, couldn't you be? You can, and the thing that kind of gets, well, especially me as a mother, is that how far would you go for your own child? So if I was told that one of my kids was going to die if I didn't kidnap another, would I do it? And then if I'm told that I have to kill that child that I kidnapped because that chain is about to break, and if I wanted my own child back, I had to do it. Do you know? Um, It's very... It's a really thought-provoking one, you know. It makes you question morality and ethics and what is right and what is wrong. And do we learn by behaviour or do we take into account the bigger philosophical picture? Um, I'm making it sound a little bit more difficult than it is. It's not. And it's actually been made into a a movie at the moment, Mm. a Paramount movie. So it's going to be huge. Yes. Um, I would definitely recommend this one. It's just... Gripping is probably the best word for it. Oh, I've just seen the reaction to it all over and it mirrors what you say, Margaret. Uh, People just say, wow, talk about the shivers running down your spine, the hair standing on the back of your neck, the sweat on your brow. You'll have it all with this one. (laughs) Uh, You really will. The Chain by Adrian McKinty. And I was just looking, he was originally, this lad was born in Belfast, lived in Carrick Fergus. He studied in the UK, lived in New York in Harlem and he now resides in Melbourne, Australia. God, he's plenty of life experience around the world as well. Yeah, and he had given up writing and he was an Uber driver because he couldn't afford to pay the rent um, despite winning loads of uh, literary awards. And then he got a phone call to say, listen, Paramount, look this this book and mm. you're going to be a millionaire Uber no more The Chain <laughs> by Adrian McKinty the thriller this month from Margaret Madden and you will be thrilled absolutely when you get that book and read it enjoy now to round off today you go back in time always with us and you're on the ball because Wimbledon starts on Monday mm-hmm. it does and I remember that being the highlight of my childhood absolutely yeah. addictive you know in the 80s and when we had all the big names and big personalities and yeah. Yeah. Well, you've gone back, you've gone back to November 2009. The book is called Open. And do you remember him, folks? Andre Agassi. Yes, the famous tennis player. Do you know Margaret Madden? You probably do know this, sure. I'm telling you, you know everything about books. This book is now regarded as one of the 30 best sports books ever written. I didn't know that, actually. Mm, it um, is. But I only kind of discovered again while I was doing my notes that he didn't actually write it, which is fine. Most sports books are ghostwritten. Yes. And he did offer to put the writer's name on the front. Um, so we'll give him credit for that. Yeah, well done. But I'll tell you this, you know, he reached the top, as we all know, in sport. He won Wimbledon. He won the US Open twice. He won France and he won Australia four times. He was world number one for ages and ages. But my God, when you read his childhood, his father was Armenian. He was a professional boxer who came to the States. His dad was a tough man. Yeah. I mean, he he, he even, like at the age of seven, it all really started kicking off. And his dad even made this machine where balls would come flying out at a horrendous speed, you know, to to teach him to to swing faster, faster, better, better constantly and enrolled him in the in the, the ca- tennis camps and he was he had a very abusive childhood really when you think mm. about it. Um but it, the the story the tennis games themselves are actually the thrilling part of these Yes. This book, you know, yes, I mean he, his life story is fascinating, but the the way the writer has done it is that Tennis isn't the most fascinating game to read about, but he has managed to do that. Mm. Um, It's actually really, really enjoyable. And every time I think about um, biographies, 
whether they're sporting or not, this one always comes back to me. And that's a good sign for someone who reads yes. as much as me. Yes, know? and uh, the rivalries with Pete Sampras, Roger Federer, yeah. who's still Absolutely. going, Federer is still drama. bloody playing. Yeah. 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 And all the drama that was involved there. And listen, there was plenty of drama in his love life as well. I know he's now married to Steffi Graf and they have mm-hmm. two children. He was married to Brooke Shields, the actress, for a couple of years. But the, the, the fascinating was, one was his... Uh, love liaison with Barbara Streisand. I know, right? It's a bit very strange. Yes. Now, as a child, I wouldn't have really taken any notice of that, you know, because I was quite young when all this drama was happening. But reading back over it was great fun. Oh, Barbara was 28 years older than him. And should they, the world went wild when he was with her. But he writes and says it was a fantastic time. They yeah. had a fantastic time together, the pair of them. Anyway, that's just uh, the love aspect of, of this book. But as you say, the battles on the court, the rivalries, the great matches, it's all there. And uh, really, this is one. And I'm delighted. Uh, on the cusp of Wimbledon, you rely, you uh, remind people of this one. It's still available, folks. It's called yeah. Open by Andre Agassi and well worth getting. Whether you're a tennis fan or not, yeah. you know, you yeah. don't have to be. Um, as I said, I, I, I really loved it in the 80s, but I was the world's worst tennis player. <laughs> I was always dressed very well in my lovely whites, but... <laughs> around look at the, the uh, course, but, but I was rubbish <laughs> <laughs> but you looked well that's the main thing look at here here's the other thing you know and I'm just going back and as an aside when we were growing up this next week the the ropes would appear on the streets tied gate to gate you know the improvised tennis nets and the old rackets would come out yes. and everybody would Daddy be at it he said the know? same he said they yeah. used to set up a situation yes. on the green opposite their house now my yes. father was really clever and he borrowed the painting lines from the local football pitch and he made us a, a tennis oh. pitch in the back garden oh my god you were you were posh court. you were posh that was it you see not like ourselves <laughs> no. scrambling about with ropes and but I bet you had a better bounce on your ball than I had (laughs) well listen if we had a ball (laughs) we'll leave that for another day anyway Margaret you're a star opened by Andre Agassi and just reminding everybody again this is the one we all hang on the book of the month is The Book Club by Roisin Meany Margaret you're great thank you so much talk to you again in July talk to you soon bye bye take care now bye bye the wonderful Margaret Madden our book reviewer on late lunch this afternoon that book open I remember I read that book many moons ago myself it's a great one it really is worth getting but book of the month by Roisin Meany is the book club late lunch LMFM radio we're going to powder our noses all's rosy I believe in the garden with Rick Cronjay hello Rick hello Jerry good afternoon to you and the listeners Thanks for joining me again on the show. And it's Rosé all the way with Rick today. You might begin by just uh, reminding us, Rick, how rosé wines are made. There's three different ways, isn't there? There is. The, the most common and the most successful is what we call skin contact. And that is uh, when you make red wine and you, um, in the same way as it is before, but the contact with the skin is limited. We talk in hours, um, and then that is your rosé wine. Then you have bleeding, where the main product is, or sonnier is the French word for it, where the main product is red wine, and you literally remove a quantity or bleed a quantity off from it. And then the last method, which is very rarely used, in fact, I can't think of anybody doing it anymore, and I know it's banned in France, is literally where you mix red and white. Probably what I do at three o'clock in the morning. Ah, now, Rick, don't be keeping us (laughs) up that late, please. Anyway, whatever uh, tickles your fancy. But here's the thing. It's known as Rosé Rosada in Spain and Rosato in Italy. Just if you're, uh, please, God, if we get back there visiting or you buy those type of wines here in this country. Always, I I remember talking to you in the past about this. It's a young wine. It needs to be drunk, Rick. Yes, it is, Jerry. It's very rare that you see Rosé being kept. Uh, that's the whole idea to express its freshness, its youthfulness. And again, as we just discussed, the skin contact is so limited. Um, when you're making red wine, for instance, then you need longer contact because the antioxidants that the skin will impart 
will uh, help preserve the wine. Mm. But of course, you don't have that time limit with rosé. So no, it's not a wine that uh, will keep. And wood is extremely rare that they use it. Now, if you're going for rosé, there is a, a definite distinction between the old world rosés here in Europe and the newer ones in the southern hemisphere on the palate. Tell us the distinction, please. Yes, when we go to the old world or Europe, which is probably a better way to uh, express it, it tends to be on the drier side of the scale. Uh, where Southern Hemisphere rosés would tend to be sweeter. If you think of the California rosés, for instance, uh, they'll be very sweet compared to that. That doesn't mean that Europe is bitter or anything like that. They're just truer to the actual style uh, of rosés. Now, you've uh, gone to Aldi for your rosés today, and you have a lot to say about uh, Aldi and their collection. I do, Jerry. Uh, the reason choosing Aldi is, one, first of all, they had the best selection, the best choice. Uh, the quality is superb, and their price, of course. And I think that is, uh, you know, we've seen over the years Aldi come along and other uh, supermarkets as well. But in particular, Aldi, I mean, uh, 2021, the uh, supermarket of the year at the uh, International Wine and Spirits Competition. End of January, they were awarded Drinks Retailer of the Year. And the Drinks Retailing Awards uh, thought Aldi was a worthwhile winner by giving them the Multiple Wine Retailer of the Year Award. Mm. So no, no doubt about it. Okay, so great selection. You've decided to opt for two today, both from France, Europe, the Old World uh, Rosé. What's your first, Rick? Yeah, the first one we uh, got is from Provence. It's called Cotou Fawa Provence. And uh, it, it's uh, two grapes in it, the Senso and the Mouvede. And um, it's a no vintage, very important. And it comes to you at €9.49. When you say no vintage, what do you mean, Rick? No vintage means that it's grapes that could span at least two years. Okay. When it's a vintage, it has to be in the year. If you put a vintage on a year on the bottle, it means those grapes were harvested in that year. That is the law of wine. If you use, say, 2020 and 2019, you put no vintage on it. It doesn't affect the quality now, Mm. but it's a law uh, that stipulates you can't use two different years Mm. uh, and claim one year on it. No. Okay, so just it's interesting to know that when you talk about Provence, well, you're really talking wine producing aristocracy. Absolutely, Jerry. Provence is considered historically as France's very first wine region, and it goes back to Phoenician days, 2,600 odd years now. Um, so, yeah. It's, it were in 1993, they got their own AOC, which is a you know, geographical indication. Uh, it's a commune of about 17,000 people, and they all make rosé there, Jerry. It's a heaven for rosé drinkers, of course, and 90%, uh, you were telling me, of the wine produced there is rosé. Now, describe it for us. In colour, slightly pale? Uh, slightly pale, a pale pink, uh, you know, very light in color there. Um, on the nose, you're definitely going to get fruit, red fruit, strawberries, raspberries, and citrus. Um, and that follows through on the palate, which I really liked about this wine. It's a slight dryness, but not overly dry. And as I said, the sweetness here will be very much lighter than the uh Southern Hemisphere ones. It's very delicate, Jerry. It is light. It has great length on it. It's got a perfect balance in it. Yeah, it's a real, real summer's day drink this week. Sip it by itself, or if you were talking about a match food-wise, what would you recommend? It'll be great for vegetarian food uh, and vegan as well. Uh, Pork, poultry, shellfish. I think it'll do great with shellfish. 
Okay. And even something light on the barbecue, uh, Jerry. It's, mm. it's quite a versatile one, uh, this one. Okay. Coteau Vrois en Provence uh, from Aldi 949 NV, uh, no vintage on the label. And we will post pictures of this one. And Rick's second recommendation, which he's staying in France for. Tell us about this one, Rick. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, again, you know, uh, France, well, they top with this one. Uh, this comes from an area called Cahors, um, and it's uh, Sud de France, uh, the south of France. And uh, the grapes in this one is the Grenache and Tiborine, which is a, a local grape there. And the year on this one, it's uh, 2020. And, and it won't I'll, break the bank? No, Jerry, no. Eight euro and forty nine cent. It'll still be a bonus if I win that bingo from LMF. <laughs> you say this is, in your own words, I quote you, an absolute cracker. It is, Jerry. I really like this one. I, I thought a little touch uh, sweeter than the first one before. Uh, very pale pink on it. Lots of citrus on this with a very, very definite hint of, of peach on it. Um, and I would say it's the Grenache here that might just give that little half a teaspoon of sweetness more than the first one. Mm. It's crisp, very refreshing, slightly sweeter, as I say, and again, a real summer's wine. Both mm. of them, lovely, Jerry, just to sit around and... Please, God, we get everybody back together again and mm. just enjoy, you know. Yes, yes. Oh, we're getting there, Rick. A aperitif and, as you say, fish pasta, light starters, a good match there as well. The second one Rick recommends, and again, I'll tell you, we'll post the picture, is Sud de France, South of France, Grenache and Tiburon combined grape 2020, Aldi 849. And again, we say to everybody, enjoy your wine sensibly, drink plenty of water, and it enhances any occasion and a meal. Just in a general sense before we go, Rick, obviously the pandemic has had a big impact on wine. And two countries, just briefly to talk about, France and New Zealand. What's the story? Yeah, France in particular, uh, Jerry, just very briefly. If you put France, Italy and Spain together, 49% of the world supply comes from these three countries. Within the EU, 84%. So when France had bad luck, and really bad luck. Late night, 2019, Donald Trump decided to, to uh, put a 25% import duty on French wine. So 2020, straight away, the exports dropped by 14%. Then March 2020, the COVID hit us. March 21, they had lovely, great weather, 26 degrees, caused the buds to, to, to the vines to bud early. And then in April, the temperature dropped to minus seven, and I'm sure listeners saw pictures of vineyards with mm. fires lit to try and increase the air temperature. So it just devastated it. Uh, the latest estimate is that as much as 30% of the total production could be affected. Uh, the French government has pledged $1 billion, uh, sorry, euro to to, uh, to to help support them. Right. It could be the, the worst, the smallest harvest in living memory. So that's France. New Zealand, New Zealand, uh, similar story, bearing in mind that Sauvignon Blanc in New Zealand, 80% of New Zealand wine is Sauvignon Blanc. So during the spring, which was in September, they had a bad spell of frost. And then three months before harvesting, it was bone dry, almost drought. So again, they uh, badly affected uh, Pernod Ricard, who, uh, as already said, they'll be unable to meet the Marlborough Sauvignon Blanc demand. Uh, very bad news. And again, they're looking at about 30% a reduction mm. in Sauvignon Blanc. So... Yeah, we're going to see shortages in the next year, certainly in the next two years. There you go. So watch this space. Uh, Issues all around the world caused by pandemic, taxes and weather. The the one sure thing in life, of course, is taxes. It and us departing this planet. But before you do, make sure you enjoy uh, plenty of vino. And again, uh, Rick, thank you for bringing us these two beautiful rosés. It's a lovely time of the year to enjoy them. Enjoy them young. And again, our wines today come from Aldi. Rick, great to have you with us again. We'll talk to you in July. 
You certainly will, Jerry. Thank you. Take care of yourself. One of the best. He really is. What a guy Rick Cronje is. Does he know his wines? Anyway, as I said, enjoy alcohol and wine sensibly. That is always the message. And we will post pictures up with our podcast of the show that you'll be able to see those there and then go and enjoy Rick's recommendations. Murrin Casey is a pupil at St Mary's National School in Trim. She's recovering from cancer and she's nearly finished her treatment. The class should be out for summer. As I speak to you, they should be gone on the summer holidays, but they've all stayed back. Because, you see, we're heading to St Mary's National School in Trim to have a chat in a moment with teacher Kevin Higgins. But first, waiting to speak to me is one of the students, Polly Tiernan. Hello, Polly. Hello. Thank you for joining me on the show. Tell us what you did there for Mirren. Well, for Mirren, we did a fundraiser to help the um, other people that are going to be have cancer that have so you've raised money uh, for others and uh, Murin as well. You're supporting what? The Gavin Glynn Foundation? Yes, that's it. So what did you do? What did you do to raise funds? To raise funds, we started a PayPal and we, um, we wrote to local businesses around Trim, writing them letters, asked if they could donate and we sent links to like, all of our family and friends to get them to donate too. Okay, so you appealed to family and friends, you went to the business community there. What have you in the kitty at the minute? We have over 13,000 in the bank right now. Ah, well done to you. So the response was magnificent. Yes. Tell us about Mirren. She's uh, one of your friends and school pals and you obviously all think the world of her. Yes, Mirren is a very good friend of all of us. Um, She's part and parcel of the class there and takes part in everything and uh, has been going through a tough time and she's just great, is she? Yeah, she's just really good. She's really strong for getting through all of this. Yes, of course she is. Indeed and she is. So the money's coming in and it's still coming in. But there's another aspect to this as well that's going to happen next week. You've uh, roped in teacher Kevin. What's he going to do? You tell me. We are going to be shaving his head. <laughs> and who's doing this? Who's um, all of the class is going to get a turn to shave his head. So everybody's going to have a turn with the shaver to say. And are you taking all his hair off? Yes, all of it. Does he need a haircut? Yes, he really does. <laughs> he really does. So I take it it's really long, is it? It's as long as mine. Oh my God! And yours is long down your back, is it? Uh, no, it's, it's like past my shoulders. All right. So it is, it is, it is, it is quite long. So yeah. the, Kevin has decided to uh, get involved here and you're raising money with this head shave that he's going to do. Yes. The head shave was really just promotion to get more money into the yeah. fund. Yeah. yeah, it's added. It's another aspect to the fundraising as well. You're supposed to be gone and you're in sixth class. Is this your last day in the school before you move to secondary? No, our last day is thirtieth Wednesday. Okay, so you're 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 still in. You have to come back. Oh, I see. I thought you were. Most of the schools I know are gone. I beg your pardon. You have still a few more days to do. Anyway, sure, it'll be handy now on the run into the holidays, won't it? Yeah. Are you listening, teacher? Put me on to him. Kevin Higgins is beside you there. Thank you, Polly. How are you, Jerry? Kevin. Well. Well, are you looking forward to feeling a little lighter next week? I can't, I can't wait, Jerry. I can't wait till it's all gone now, to be honest with you. <laughs> How long has it been since you've had the haircut? I suppose the first lockdown, uh, Jerry, sure, there's no barbers open, so yeah. uh, you can't really get a haircut, you know. And would you normally have it tidy enough? I would, yeah, I would, yeah. Mm, so yeah. this is really unusual, as Polly told me, for it to be heading down to the small of your back. Then you said it, yeah, yeah. Open a ponytail. <laughs> and I believe you do a bit of running. Is it a bit of a nuisance when it gets so it's, long? Yeah, it's like running with a microwave on your head now, Jerry, at the moment. So we want to get rid of it for that. <laughs> it's a great. It's been a great excuse. So it's for going slow. I haven't heard a description like that in a long time. Yeah. A microwave in your head, but the heat of it, I can just imagine as well when you're not used to having it so long. So next week, I didn't realise you're in till, obviously with the way the days work in your school, you're they're there till next Wednesday. But they do say goodbye to you. This is it. Is it in the school for them? Yeah. Oh, they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is it for this bunch now. They've had a tough couple of years uh, there mm. with the lockdowns and that, but we've uh, we're finishing. I think we're finishing on a high and a good note, and they're happy to. 
raise a few bob for the Gavin Glynn Foundation as well. Yeah, because this foundation is tied in uh, with the experience that uh, Mirren has had as well. So it, it all makes perfect sense. So they're all going to have a turn at lopping the locks. Yep, yep. They're looking forward to it now. It's like revenge. <laughs> <laughs> yes for all the times they had extra homework and things like that but look sure it all has to be done it's all in the process of, of moving forward so look for anybody listening today and I, I want to say hello to Mirren Casey she's well known in our family and of course is a, a, a very popular photographer in, in the trim area her dad and I wish her well and the family well as well anybody listening today in the trim area that know you know uh, the family etc how can they you know chip in and bring this total up for the shave well, next week it's, it's on the school website so it is it's uh, been across a lot of the school's mo- social media as well and it's uh, Trim.ie. okay um, and the link there is to the PayPal website and they can be assured that 100% of the funds all go to the Gavin Glynn Foundation which in turn which is a great charity which in turn gives 100% of the funds to the kids there's a yes. uh, there's a um, uh, they're great that way, you know what I mean. Yeah, there's no, yeah. um, there's no big free box of T-shirts coming down. I know. Is there anything? You know, know what I mean. It's, yes, it's great yes, that way. Yeah. Um, they're and, terrific. And, yeah, they're terrific. They're and they help send Mirren to Germany. We want to say for very a special treatment as well, which is most significant. And that's why you're backing them all the way. Well, feel the breeze next week. Well done to you, Kevin, sure. and everybody there. Thanks a million, Jerry. God bless you. Take care of yourself. That's Kevin Higgins, Polly Tiernan and the crew at St Mary's National School in Trim. We wish them well. Your riddle on Friday. I can never be thrown, but can be caught. Ways to get rid of me are forever being sought. What am I? The answer I was looking for is a cold. And thank you to everybody who banged in the answers to us today. Jerry McGee, well done to you in Dundalk. You're the winner today. Got the correct answer and we have a little prize. We'll send it out to you in the post. Thanks indeed. Another riddle coming your way next Friday on the show. Good afternoon, Jerry. It's Magella here. Oh my God, she's back. I'd just like to tell you that I'm on my way to Penny's to buy my new bras. I hope you like the pics I'll be sending you when I'm modelling them. Oh, in the name of God, I'm the colour. The colour is strawberries here, Magella. Will you quit? Anyway, good luck to you. Enjoy your new purchases, Magella. Lovely to hear from you on the show again today. Let's move on with my Artist of the Week this week. It's Blondie. With a reformed Blondie reaching number one, as I mentioned yesterday, I played the song Maria for you. They joined Michael Jackson as the only other American act, listen to this, to have UK number ones in the 70s, 80s and 90s. Now, for most of the noughties, they toured successfully on their back catalogue of hits and they'd release a new album called Panic of Girls in 2011, but it was really to lukewarm reception and middling success. Ghosts of Download was the next one. That's the next album followed in 2014 with a final album called Pollinator coming out in May 2017. None of these more recent collections ever lived up to their early works, yet Blondie's popularity has endured with a loyal following and newer generations of fans. The band were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and have their star on Hollywood's Sunset Boulevard. They also intend touring after the pandemic. Yes, they're back on the road, delivering classics like this. Blondie, one way or another on your late lunch this Friday afternoon. And that makes me smile, I have to tell you, when I hear that song, because... I remember when Jared and Sarah were smaller and we had videotapes, when you think about it, videos at the time of The Muppet Show. And on one of The Muppet Shows many moons ago, Debbie, Harry and Blondie were the special guests. They had a guest on their show uh, from the world of rock and pop and music. And they sang that song with Kermit the Frog and Miss Piggy. And I always have a soft spot for it. But there you go. That uh, brings the curtain down on Blondie, their story and songs on Late Lunch this afternoon. Friday afternoon, time to look at the weekend in sport with the man himself. Yes, he's the communications manager with Boyle Sports. I'm delighted to say hello again to Leon Blanche. Hello, Leon. 
Good afternoon, Jerry. How are you keeping? I'm keeping well. Thanks very much for joining me on the show. Let's get straight to business and the action begins this evening in the League of Ireland. Drogheda, last two results, well, they were trashed by Bowes. They lost to Dundalk on Monday and I don't know, still don't know how they lost, but they go into the Lions Den tonight to joint leaders Shamrock Rovers. Leon could be three defeats in a row. It could be, Jerry. Look, I was disappointed with their performance against Bohemians. I'm not going to lie about that. I thought they just never really turned up. And the game against Dundalk was probably looking like a scoreless draw. And Drogheda had the line share of possession. Probably didn't look like scoring. Dundalk get a scrappy win uh, under Vinnie Pert, which was much needed from their perspective. But this is a tricky game for Drogheda going to face Shamrock Rovers, who I have to say, they absolutely were all over Bohemians. They created enough chances to let alone win one game, maybe even two games, and they got stung by a sucker punch. Kind of similar to Drogheda having possession against Dundalk, but Rovers actually created the chances as well. So you'd worry a little bit for Drogheda tonight. Um, I think that's fair to say. And Shamrock Rovers, they're still favourites to win the league, and rightly so. They've got the best squad in the league. Um, and I think if they had had their shooting boots on against Bowes, they would have won that Dublin derby quite comfortably. So unfortunately, Jerry, I'm going to go for Drogheda to lose their third game in a row. However, even if Rovers do beat them, it's been quite a solid start to Drogheda in the Premier League. You'd have to give them a lot of credit. They're middle of the table. They're in fifth spot. So bang in the middle. There's only four teams ahead of them. And when you look at who's ahead of them, Bowes, Sligo, Shamrock Rovers and St. Pat's. There's not too much to be getting upset about if you're a Drogheda United fan at the minute. They're sitting quite comfortable on 25 points. They've absolutely zero chance of going back down to the first division. And I think if they can finish around mid-table, fifth or sixth, with a decent return, I think that'll be a very satisfactory Premier League season having been promoted last year. Absolutely perfect assessment, Leon. Now, Dundalk, you mentioned there. Draw against Longford, win over Drogheda. They have Derry as visitors tonight. Chris Shields, his last game for the club. And Patching, the guy on loan at Derry. A very influential player. He can't play against the Lily Whites tonight. No, and that's a big plus. And I think Chris Shields, you know, I think we ought to give him a bit of time here because, you know something, he has been a remarkable servant for Dundalk Football Club. He's been one of the standout performers right throughout his tenure there. He's played under many a different manager. But the one thing that you can always say about Chris Shields is consistency and consistently putting in very, very good performances. He's been a brilliant player for the League of Ireland and he will be sorely missed by Dundalk Football Club. I hope for him and I hope the rest of the players Everyone connected with the club gets right behind Shields tonight because he deserves to sign off with a victory. They're, they're neck and neck in the table. Dundalk are only one point behind Derry, sitting in seventh position. Derry are obviously in sixth. And I just think looking at this particular match, Dundalk needs to improve their performance, however. They weren't great against Drogheda. But sometimes, Jerry, when you get a win, when you don't play to your full capabilities, breathes a bit of confidence. That instilled in this group of players, look, we got the win. We probably didn't deserve it, but let's try and make it back to back. And I hope for Chris Shields they do it, and I think they will. I think they might just nick it. Their favourites, probably a short price in fairness of what they've done so far. Derry, some people might say, are a big price at 4-1. to one. But I'm going to go with Dundalk just to nick this by the odd goal. Just before we leave soccer, the European Championships, down to the business end now, the final 16, it's knockout. All the big guns are there. Spain, Belgium, England, Germany, France, and your pick, Italy. Are you staying with them? Well, I've got to stay with them, Jerry. Um, I don't think they've done anything in the group stages that would deter me from thinking that they've got a good chance. I think they're 30 games unbeaten now under Roberto Mancini, which is a massive achievement in any type of standard of football but the one thing that's really impressed me about them is they've changed their style of play completely it's no longer the boring old Italians that if they go 1-0 up they'll just sit back and try and defend on that they've got a brilliant back five they haven't conceded in 11 matches but what they do possess now is 
that hunger, that desire, that when they're 1-0 up or when they're 2-0 up, they want the next goal. Now, I will just put in a word of caution. Switzerland and Turkey are pretty bang average. They made eight changes and they beat Wales 1-0. But there's bigger tests ahead. They will beat Austria. And then they'll play Belgium or Portugal in a quarterfinal. Now, that's when we'll get to know, is this Italian side the real deal? But as you rightly pointed out there, Jerry, France, Italy, England, Germany, Spain, the Netherlands and Belgium or Portugal, they could all win this Euros. There's no standout team. But if you look at the side of the draw, England and Germany, whoever wins that should be able to progress to a semi-final to play the Netherlands. Now, I think the Netherlands will get to a semi-final. But on the other side of the draw, it's a lot harder to try and predict. France are still favourites. They haven't fully hit top gear yet. But the worrying thing for every other side in this competition, Kylian Mbappe is yet to score. That won't go on too much longer. Really looking forward to the knockouts. Now let's switch to the GAA and there's one game in town this weekend here in the North East. Louth are out in the Leinster Championship. They take on Offaly. Louth promoted from Division 4 to Division 3, but Offaly moving up from 3 to 2. They did suffer a heavy defeat to Derry. They played their league final, decided to play it uh, last week. What do you make of this one? Yeah, and, and, and look, I mean, I commend them for trying to get the league title decider played, and they did. But it was a bad defeat. It was a bad defeat to Derry. And you just wonder, has that affected their confidence? Where on the other side, the Wee County have had a tremendous league campaign. Mickey Hart, I'm sure, will have been delighted with the progress game by game. They've got promoted now. They'll be playing Division 3 football next year. But this is do or die. This is knockout championship football. You've only got one bite of the cherry. And I'm actually going to go with the Wee County, not because we're talking on LMFM, but because of Mickey Hart and because of his nous and his experience in championship football. And I think that will have been imposed upon this squad, especially in the lead up to this game. This is different to league. This is championship. And it would be a bit of a scalp if they could beat the beaten finalists of Division 3, and I'm going to go for the Wee County. They're slightly underdogs at 5-4. to four. Offaly are the slight favourites at 10-11, to 11, but I'm sticking with Mickey Hart. I think he can work his magic and get by Offaly in the first round of Leinster. We're all looking forward to that game live here on LMFM Radio Sunday afternoon. Until Friday next, Leon Blanche, thank you so much. Have a fantastic weekend, Jerry. That's almost our lot on the show this week. Uh, thank you indeed. We found out where the Labrador is that serves customers in the shop. Thank you indeed for your help on that one. Big thanks to all our guests who joined us through the last five days. To you, our listeners who are with us every day, we love and appreciate your company. And to Louise Walsh, my producer, couldn't do this without her. Thanks a million, Louise. Anyway, have a nice weekend, a safe weekend. Weather's not looking too bad all over, but uh, really warm. And heat coming back early again next week. We'll be back on Monday with a brand new week of late lunch from 1.30. But we leave you today in the company of Green Day. And do whatever you're doing. Remember this every day. Have the time of your life. Eddie Caffrey's coming next with The Drive. See you Monday. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drahada Dundalk and Cavan. We have amazing offers available across the Renault, Dacia and Opel range. Whether it is a petrol, diesel, LPG, plug-in hybrid or electric, we have the perfect car for you. See blackstonemotors.ie Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. 
Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.